Welcome everyone. Here we are for another episode of Adventures in Business. There's Mandy right there with the funny jazz hands there. <laughs> <laughs> jazz hands. Hi everybody. Okay. Happy Monday. Happy Monday. Hello. The big news for us, Mandy, is how were you able to survive the hurricane we had last night? Talk I to mean, us. Well, I have to tell you something. I did something this weekend that I violated all of my codes of conduct because I, you know, I don't believe in talking about the weather, right? You know, I have my, you know, I have my thing, right? My big quote, never, ever talk about oh. the weather unless you're a farmer, right? Because okay. I want conversations to be more fun and more interesting. But all I did all weekend long was talk about the weather. I yeah. talked about <laughs> Hillary. I talked about hurricanes. I talked about rain. We survived. It was just light. Just some light mist with a little rain. We had a couple of plants roll over, but they're fine. They lived. But what, what about you? What happened in your world in LA with the, with Hillary? So it was some heavy rain, not too much wind. It was just a lot of rain, and then the earthquake that happened definitely shook us up here. So, but it wasn't as bad as it could have been. There was some flooding around, but it we you know pretty fortunate that it wasn't as bad as it could have been. So we survived the earthquake, mm -hmm. and it's sunny outside right now. So all's well. Um, did you do any prep? Oh, like, did you over prep or anything? Or were you ready to go? Just grocery shopping, a few groceries and some water. That was that. I probably under prepped, you know, but um, that's what I did. Carlotta. Hello. Good to see you, Carlotta. Easy. Hi, Carlotta. Well, good to see you. And then Dean LeBay is with us. Good to see you all. Make sure you're putting some thoughts in the chat. Uh, someone called us rascals. I'm going to see about that. So. <laughs> Carlotta, I, don't I owe you a delay. call. Ooh. I owe you a call. Tell okay. Carlotta I will call her. Yes. I call her. I'm sorry, okay. Carlotta. Okay. For sure. For sure. <laughs> let's talk about who do we have joining us today. Um, and then let's get right to it because we have so many questions to ask and so much freestyle to experience. <laughs> so much. Okay. We've never interviewed three people at one time before. Right. So this is exciting. And we've got yes. a crew who are the collectively creating the a mental fitness revolution. And they're and they individually have their own stories. So we're going to talk to them as a group, and then we're going to talk to them individually. But I think we should just bring up Anthony, Mikey, and Vivek from Freestyle Plus. There you are. They're on our screen. Round of applause. Yes. Yes. <laughs> All right. Yes. <laughs> Welcome in. Uh, we're just going to get right to the questions. Um, I always like to kind of ask some questions to kind of, you know, loosen the mood a little bit. So I want to ask Anthony, first of all, your nickname is Two Touch. I have two questions for Anthony. Why is it Two Touch? <laughs> this is a good one. It actually has like several meanings to it. So um, I play soccer and have played my whole life. And there's a move called the Two Touch where you look like you're going one direction, but then you go in another direction. And that's kind of what I tend to do when I do freestyle rapping as well. So if somebody gives me a word, I tend to not do the first skew of that word. I tend to kind of bounce off of it and do maybe an alt take on it. So I often will to touch the word as well. Okay. Ooh. My follow-up question is that growing up, I was a massive All My Children fan. Erica Kane, <laughs> Kendall Kane, Stuart and Adam. I understand that you were on the actual soap opera too. Can you tell us about that? <laughs> <laughs> a very surreal experience. I was like a six episode arc as like the best friend of Eden. And this is when she came out as, as a lesbian. So it was like big news. Uh, and I remember being on set and like, you know, it's a very strange environment being on a, a, a soap set because they've been doing that show for so long. They have it down to a science. And if you are not up to speed, they're just like, yeah, nope, you did it wrong. And we're only doing it once. That's as good as it gets. Moving on. You're like, okay. I love it. So I love the all my children. So that's great. Now, Mikey, I understand that you have some cooking skills. A private chef, you, you've been in the kitchen. You do very well in the kitchen. Is that still true? Or Vivek, did you want to say something about that? <laughs> I, I, just would like, I would love for you to ask Mikey about his uh, TV show experience as well. <laughs> <laughs> I was on Double Dare as uh, I think I was in like seventh grade when it first came out, Double Dare. It was like the I first love that show. Yeah, amazing. I almost won the final prize. 
uh just missed it by like 0.3 seconds but that was that was a highlight after that it was pretty much downhill okay. for me um <laughs> <laughs> yeah cooking experience it was always i i started cooking early i want to say i was in the kitchens at like 13 years old and it was always a great fallback for me whether it was uh, i needed a side job or something like that but always loved cooking and then I sort of weaseled my way into private event chef. And from there, I ended up cooking for some amazing celebrities. Um, and this is a long story, but da 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 da. My art gallery was failing at one point. I was making some phone calls so I could get like any job I could to pay off the mortgage of the art gallery. And uh, I got an audition for Jerry Seinfeld's personal chef. Okay. I auditioned in New York for him and his family. And like two days later, I ended up flying the Telluride with his family for, you know, a private chef for, I don't know, a 15 day vacation. So, oh, I love that. What do you do for the audition for Jerry Seinfeld's chef? Like what is, they just, what is they, that? They asked me to come up and cook for the family. So <laughs> I think they wanted to see how I interacted with the kids mm. and the family. And then of course, cook them, you know, a meal. That was okay. And if you were to cook a meal and your life depended on it, what meal are you cooking? Chicken Parmesan, homemade fettuccine oh. sauce, you know, like a real Italian piece. Okay. All right. All right. Shout out to Vicky Meldrums in the chat. She recognized Pine Valley, which is where all my children was. Um, <laughs> now, Vivek, and that is how you pronounce his name. Right now, take first try, Monty. <laughs> so my question for you is, do you love or do you hate chair sailing? <laughs> oh my, this, the research, wow. Amani. It's this deep, is, it's deep. This is a deep cut question. I'm so impressed. I was like, I wonder where he's getting these questions from. I was like, I don't know. <laughs> so I came to the United States. This is a, I can make this an hour long story, but I'll shorten it. Sure, sure, sure. 45 minutes. Um, so I came to the United States for college and I'd never been here before. My first experience um, in, in the United States and I was in Iowa. I went to school in a small liberal arts school in Iowa. Shout out Grinnell College. Okay, Grinnell. And um, yeah. they did this thing where like if an international student came, uh, you got there a little bit earlier than everyone else and you had a host family. and You stayed with your host family for two days. Uh, and there were they, this family was hosting a couple of us and the first night we were there, their teenage sons, whose names uh, were Rusty and Ricky Jones, and they were <laughs> farm boy football players, like the nicest, greatest people in the world. They were like, we're going out to the friends. You want to come? And I was like, what are you doing? And they said, we're going chair sailing. And I said, I don't know what that is, but I'm in. And we went to a, a parking lot of a park, past the closing time of the park, and a friend of theirs was there with a truck. And we tied an office chair to the back of the truck and then put on a winter coat in August for protection and uh, sat on the chair as the car drove us slowly. <laughs> and then like 10 minutes, five minutes into it, the wheels popped off because the chair was not meant for off-roading. And, <laughs> and the whole thing devolved into all of us just standing around and watching as the guy drove the truck really fast and the chair bounced around. And every time a metal part hit the ground, sparks would fly up and we all cheered. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I love this country. <laughs> <laughs> I love this country. Amazing. <laughs> Iowa. There you go. In the chat, make sure you're putting words and thoughts because what's going to happen next is they're going to take some of the words and thoughts you put in the chat and do a quick freestyle session. How um, how do we want to work this? Do you want to do you want to wait a minute? Do you want to do it now? What do we think? I have a question for the group okay. and that and then I think we should rock the freestyle if that's okay with you guys because because we Amani and I were very lucky to actually see freestyle plus open up a really important educational session earlier this year and it's one of those where the opener can go one way or the other right it could have been like what the heck is going on or it could have been this was awesome and and they were so awesome so Really quick, before we actually do a quick freestyle, I want to talk about, you know, the Wayback Machine, because you're Freestyle Plus now, but can you give a little bit of the origin of 
you know, for those that don't know Freestyle Love Supreme and those that don't know the Freestyle Academy and Speechless, can you just give us a little background and take us to where you are today? And then I think we should definitely do freestyle together. Yeah, sure. I'll try to yeah. do this as quickly as possible. Um, so back in 2003, uh, while I was working on a show called In the Heights, uh, I had created another show with Lin-Manuel Miranda called Freestyle Love Supreme. And we have been doing that show now for over 20 years. Uh, and we've done it all over the world and got invited to festivals. And um, it had to sort of expand. And also some kids came and saw it in New York. And they're like, will you come and like teach this at the United Nations International School? Uh, and I was like, I got to put a curriculum together. So I put a curriculum together and then we started getting requests once In the Heights was on In the Heights was on the road to do these kind of like add-on um, curriculum to help those students do freestyling before they came and saw the show. Uh, and so we would kind of travel around. I was working on the West Coast at the time as well. And then I met a bunch of other people that I created another group with out here called The Freeze. And then Sammy Wegent, who it was in another improv troupe, came up to me and said, I have an idea for a show. And I was like, what is it? He's like, I work at Zynga and I sit through PowerPoint presentations all day long and they are terrible. Hmm. Uh, and they're super boring and everyone doesn't know what they're talking about. What if we do a live show that's that? <laughs> and I was like, yeah. Done. So we basically put up slides behind people and they have no idea what the slides are. And then you spin a wheel and it lands on a kind of talk, right? It could be like a TED talk, a sexual harassment seminar, a startup pitch, whatever it is. Uh, and then we get a suggestion from the audience and then you have to give a talk as if you know what's behind you. Basically what every CEO does in America. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so that show then uh, was seen by a lot of Silicon Valley people. And they were like, will you please bring this to our company? But then also train all the people who watch the show in these sort of principles and theories that you're, that you're underpinned uh, in the show on. And so Sammy and I then created this business curriculum and we started becoming a, a consulting company called Speechless. And then we opened up the Freestyle Supreme Academy, which was just to support Freestyle Love Supreme because we needed new people because the show is still going and in different places all around the world. Uh, and then once we did that, we were like, wow, this is really something that's learnable. Everyone can freestyle rap. It's just repetition, practice and failure as everything is in life. Mm -hmm. um, and then we were like, well, what if we put Speechless and Freestyle Love Supreme Academy together and make Freestyle Plus so that we can do something really, really hard, right? Which is bringing play into your workflow because teams that play together stay together. Yes. Stay together. Amen. Yes. And, okay. and, and the science behind it too. Can you talk about the science? Cause you, you have science, you have improv, you have music. And I got to tell you, our audience jumped off their feet. I mean, it set the tone for the whole conference. So mm -hmm. I, I live to tell the story firsthand how powerful it is. Awesome. And Imani, did you have something you wanted to add in there too before? Well, then continue to how you met Vivek because he was there and he was auditioning. And then do you remember some of the slides that were behind you when you had your first introduction? Oh, there we go. It's too free. Yeah. Watch, Imani pulls up the video. <laughs> Let me frame this. Right. I don't have the video though. Don't dare him. That would be incredible. So Vivek was, was exactly. working at a platform that we're on, right, LinkedIn, and he was making a lot of money doing a pretty easy job. Okay. And then we were like, what if you want to do a really hard job for a small amount of money? Uh, but that was after we saw him, and I'll let him tell that story because it was yeah. one of those moments where you're like, oh, my gosh, I am in the room with someone who I want to play with for the rest of my life. <laughs> so I, um, I was in sales, in enterprise sales. Um, it's pretty easy. Um, and most of the time we are making up our talks as we go along. And so I just kind of casually said to someone one day, as we were talking, I said, oh, you know, I think my superpower, we were having that conversation. It's like, my superpower is that I can give a presentation to any group of people and I can make it make sense. I can't take questions, but I can make it make sense. Right. And they, and she said, you know, there's a show that does that. You should go check it out. It's called Speechless. And so I went, and at that time we used to have an open mic before the show. And if you won the open mic that night, you would get on the main stage because it was a competition show as well. Like we would score, mm -hmm. we had judges, the audience would score. Um, and so I, one of the times I went, I did the open mic. I won the open mic. I went onto the main stage. I won the main stage. Yeah, you did. And so wow. The next month. And that's how I met Sammy and Anthony and Scott, who was one of the other creators of the show. And um, yeah, one thing led to another. And they took me out to lunch one day and they said, you know that job that's super easy with all the money? What about the opposite? 
over six years ago now seven years ago yeah awesome okay now back to mandy's question so yeah, then you know you can go ahead the Two science touch. yeah i just want to hear the That's science right. behind it because i know you incorporate that yeah and again i'll, I'll do my best to, to break this down quickly and as simply as possible um, I'm a huge fan of Charles Lim, who does a lot of research around improvisation and creativity in the mind, especially in your prefrontal cortex, which is the sapient part of your brain. Um, and so Charles Lim moved out here and I like emailed him. I was like, I'm a super fan. Please let me know if we can ever help in any way. He was like, wow, that's crazy. I'm just about to do a big research project around putting improvisers into these fMRI machines, which are these functional magnetic resonance imaging machines. Some people go with stand up MRI, like get their ligaments checked out. We put people inside of it so we could see their brains. Mm -hmm. uh, we put about 40 improvisers into the machine, and we had these different paradigms that they had to do, rote memorization versus novel or unimpeded thought. Um, and what we found is there's two major parts of your brain that are being activated when you like communicate. One is your dorsal lateral prefrontal cortex, which is like your judging brain. That's the part of your brain that's like, oh, why did you wear that shirt today? You probably have something in your teeth. You should have an MBA if you're going to talk on a business podcast. Um, and that part of your brain, while it can be very useful, it often, it's often the most loud part of your brain. Uh, and then there's mm -hmm. this part of your brain called the medial lateral prefrontal cortex. It's a little bit further down and off to the sides above your ocular cavities. And that part of your brain is your flow state. That's when you're like, I was made to do this. I'm crushing it. It might be DJing for some of us. It might be listening mm -hmm. Carry others of us, you know, like whatever that kind of sets you up, lights you up. Okay. Yeah. And so well, we did research and we found that improv is a shortcut to your flow state. So we're like, we want everyone to be the best version of themselves. What if we got people into their flow state? And it turns out improv games and playing according to some of those rules with other human beings gets you to your flow state. I love it. I love I it. Love we it got too. a bunch of words in the chat here. If y'all can see them, okay. let's yeah. look and see. I mean, there's some funny <laughs> words in here. We got, you know, hurricane, squirrel, dope, edibles, Carol G, pancakes, baseball, hurricane, Jenny from the block. You <laughs> it on the one. <laughs> you just freestyled right there. Yeah, like <laughs> uh, I'm done. Yes, I'm in. <laughs> so, so Amani, just pick four of those for right now. You're top. Okay, four. I'm going to. Top four, pancakes. Let's Pancake. pick, uh, let's see here. Let's pick edibles. <laughs> let's pick squirrel. And let's see where it was. Um, let's get Vicky. Well, squirrels was mentioned twice. So that's good. And let's pick Jenny from the block. <laughs> Jenny from the block. Okay. The block. All right. All right. Can you drop a beat? Yeah. No guitar? Just beat? Yeah, let's just do it. <clears throat> All right. We're just going to try and do a beat here. All right. Uh, how about? Uh huh. Sitting here today, adventures and business rocks. But we are just Jenny, what Jenny, you're from the block. Okay, I take it back, cause I'm feeling kinda squirrely. That is right, you gotta wake up pretty early in the morning with Mandy when she gets on these. And thanks for the edibles, yeah, they do please. But maybe here, brother Anthony in the trees. I don't know who is suggesting all of these words, but that's all right, because we're gonna bring it back absurd. I just wanna make sure there was no hurricane, so I can flip the blueberry a pancake. Yes. So, wow. Okay. Now, since we talked about that, I'm going to go to three of y'all. First, Mikey, this is freestyle. Freestyle comes from hip hop. Who's your favorite lyricist or hip hop artist? I'm going to say favorite lyricist. So, Mikey, you go first. I'm going to say Mike D. Beastie Boys. Okay. Okay. Good. Good. All right. Next up, Anthony. Uh, I mean, oof, without a doubt, Black Thought from the Roots. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Uh, personal hero and like, yeah. I mean, yeah, I've got my top five, right? So you got Lauren Hill, Black Thought. You, you can't leave Nas off. You just can't. No, you no. can't. Mm -mm. You cannot. Yeah. Q-Tip, and I don't think an amazing lyricist, but I just love Q-Tip so much. It's hard to know. Okay. And then you got to right. kind of someone from the new school. So like Kendrick Lamar or Tyler, the creator, who I both think are amazing. Okay. Vivek? Ah. Same. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> I've been at, kind of catching up on my hip hop education because I didn't grow up in the United States. I didn't listen to a lot of hip hop until I became an adult. But right now I'm just listening to a lot of Tribe Called Quest. Just old school yes. DOGs. 
between. Yes. Yes. Five tons. Okay. Lathering, lathering. What was the biggest adjustment you had coming from another country living in the United States? Learning how to beatbox. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Besides that one. Besides that one. It's just boots and cuts. It's boots Um, and cuts. It's just boots and cuts. So easy. It's so easy. Um, uh, What was the biggest adjustment? Um, I would say, you know, I came when I was 18. um, And I was lucky enough to have a weird brain where I was just excited for everything I didn't know. And I I remember halfway through my first semester of college talking to someone who was like, I'm just so homesick. I can't wait to go back. And I was like, what? (laughs) No, for me, it was just all about absorbing everything. But I'll tell you the thing that the first thing that surprised me was walking into a Walmart. Like literally walking to a Walmart and just seeing how big everything was. And it wasn't just like, hey, there's a whole cereal aisle. It's that the cereal itself was way bigger than anything I'd ever seen. I was like, oh, my God, who can eat all this food? Um, so so I just that was a very stark memory for me. And then I would say the toughest adjustment uh, has to be snow. Midwestern winters. So I did 13 Midwestern winters. Okay. Yeah. I want to stay with Vivek for a second here. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about family because when I first met you, you told me a, a really beautiful story about your mom and about your wedding. And so, mm-hmm. will you just will you share that with everybody? And then, when I, I want to continue on the, along the lines of some family family questions too. Family questions. Be prepared. Oh, Get um, ready. Get ready. Uh, so, um, so I grew up. I lived when I lived in India. I lived in uh, a city called Chennai, which is a city of about ten million. Um, and then I came to college in a town of about 10,000. So pretty natural transition there. But um, <laughs> I moved to Chicago after graduating. I met, uh, I met my, my now wife, Katie, um, who's a white American from Michigan and uh, outside Chicago. And we, when we decided to get married, we thought, okay, let's have a wedding in America and then we'll have a wedding in India. And as we looked at the numbers, we were like, wow, this is really expensive to get married in America. And I was talking to my mom and she was like, why don't you just do everything here? We'll just have like an American ceremony, which we call the Western ceremony. And that made people bring cowboy hats. And I was like, no, 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 not that kind of Western. Cowboy hats. <laughs> we, we did the Western ceremony and then we did multiple days of Indian uh, ceremonies. And um, Katie said, yeah, I think we can do that. My only request is that we get an elephant which most Americans think is standard at Indian weddings, but in fact is not. It's actually very difficult <laughs> to get an elephant to come to an Indian wedding in India because there's lots of laws around it. Um, and so my mom was like, impossible, not going to work. Um, ex- except for the day of the wedding, we woke up. My mom was like, come outside. And we came outside and turned the corner and there was a giant elephant there who uh, became the photo op for all the wedding guests. Everyone <laughs> that year, every one of our friends would come, everyone, it was the same picture of them standing there. <laughs> yeah. It's just step and repeat. Yeah, but <laughs> that wedding went so well um, that my mom started to get requests for other weddings. I too want an India. <laughs> <laughs> Someone said that you paid off the right people to get an elephant at the wedding. Um, and then, uh, so then she launched a wedding business um, and it's still running to this day. It's um, it's it's Rina's venue, V-E-N-R-I-N-A-S-V-E-N-U-E.com. Check it out mm-hmm. if you want to get married in India. Uh, I'll give you a friends and family discount. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that launched a whole wedding planning career for her. She's basically I love that. Halo, Jenny from the block. Uh, yeah. How old was she? How old was she when that happened? Um, so she would have been uh 26 plus uh, 47, 47, 48. Awesome. Oh, so very young. Okay, nice. That's so young. 48, yep. New career. With, and with, your love. Your love inspired that. So you should be real proud yes. of that. Yes, that's mm-hmm. right. So any any of you three could answer this question, but I'm curious. I'm sure you've been asked this or people are like kind of looking because we're celebrating the 50th anniversary of hip hop this year. And, you know, for the longest time, hip hop has been very protective. You wouldn't see it in commercials. You would barely see it in like outside of hip hop movies. So sometimes people think, or old school hip hop heads are like, we don't like it when hip hop is appropriated for corporate gain. Mm. And so I'm curious mm. if you've run into that question or that statement and what's your response? I love this question. And I also, we should say right up, up front, right? Like hip hop is a black art form. It was started in the Bronx and way to go 50 years ago, DJ Cool Herc. Uh, and also yes. MC Coco Roque. 
uh, without black genius, this country would be nothing of what it is. Um, and so for us, we're taking the roots of hip hop, especially the freestyling and beatboxing elements and adding that to something called improvisation. Now improvisation is a white art form started by an incredible woman in Chicago named Viola Spolin. And she created improv to help immigrant kids in the community to feel that they belong. Hey, what's up? <laughs> um, and so mashing up hip hop and improvisation, I think is the medicine that the world needs. Mm -hmm. So what we're trying to do is add play into people's lives. At, at a moment where you're doing low risk exposure therapy so that you start creating a part in your brain that says, it's okay for me to not be perfect, right? Perfect is the enemy of good and it always will be. So using hip hop and improv together to sort of create this new routine around play being acceptable in the workspace, that's what our message is. And that's why we also make sure that our company looks the way it does because we want to live in a world that we would like to be a part of and that is a diverse community if we don't have black people inside of our shows inside of our organization at every level then we are letting down not only our company but also hip-hop and we are trying to live up to that incredible tentpole that we sit under all right mike good. drop that yes yes excellent yeah. answer so you also mentioned something where you said why do you feel that perfect is the enemy of good I often find that, you know, we try to get to the moment where you ship something. Mm. Um, and so mm. it's really about like getting stuff out the door. And often we're like, I can't get that out the door, right? Because it's not ready for consumption yet. Mm. Now this starts mm -hmm. really early in life for most people at school. You're only supposed to speak yes. up when you have the right answer. Yeah. yeah. So if you don't have the right answer, you will be often shamed by your teacher and shamed by more importantly, your peers. And now we're starting to close all the doors that lead to innovation, all the doors that lead to risk taking, which is what this country and businesses need in the world. Uh, and so undoing a bit of the, let's call it emotional stress that happens around learning and then being a person in the world, we have to peel back those layers and play is the way we think to do it. Yeah, it's, it's rare that when kids are, <clears throat> excuse me, it's rare that when kids are playing, actually playing and in that in that play mindset where they go no that's wrong right there's there's a lot of like okay yeah we're just going to roll with that um mm -hmm. i think for us just reframing failure what it means to fail um not that you shouldn't fail or not that you should always fail but what does it mean to fail so when we do exercises in our in our trainings and in our workshops it's really about helping rewire that brain to say oh i messed up Woohoo! right like we, we have this <laughs> exercise where we actually say, you're going to cheer. Let's play. L oh, let's play it. Should we play it? Can, can we play a game? Okay. Yes, yeah. we can. Let's do it. All right. All right. Great. What do we play? Manny, hop back out and hop back in. But keep going. I think you're frozen, great. Manny. So Manny's going to hop back. Go ahead. There you are. Okay. Are. What are we doing? We teach us one, two, three. Okay. We're going to do one, two, three. How? And then we have Mandy, Amani, and Mikey play. Okay. No, we all can right. do two people. Because then it's always the same. Oh, thing. yeah, yeah. Two yeah. people. Just two. Just, just okay. Mandy and Amani. Just Mandy and Amani. Just are Mandy play and All right. The two of you are going to play this game. It's okay. called one, two, three. That's hard. And for this, you need to know how to count from one, two, three. Okay, that's it. It's there. You got it. So here's how it's going to start. Mandy, you're going to kick it off for this round. And you're going to say the number one. And then Amani, you're going to say the number two. And then Mandy, you're going to say the number three. And then, then Amani will start with one, two, three. And you just keep doing that. All right? And let's just try that. Go. And, and if, yeah. yeah, let's try that. Go. One. Two. Three. One, two, three, one, yeah, two, three, one, two, three, great, great, one. you're doing great, oh. you're, doing great. <laughs> you're doing great, really good, really good. All right, so the next step is now instead of the number one, you're going to do a clap, all right? Okay. So it's going to go clap, two, three, clap, two, three. And at some point, you're really trying to keep the momentum and rhythm going. So at some point, if you freeze because you can't remember what the next thing is, you're just going to go, woohoo, oh, okay. okay? So it's clap, two, three, and you're going to woohoo every time something doesn't go the way you want it to. All right? Uh, go. Mandy, start. Two. Three. Two. Three. <laughs> two. Three. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Are you blushing yet, Amani? <laughs> almost, almost there. <laughs> So we, this game keeps going and we, we add more and more things to it. And, and really what ends up happening, the woohoo, 
the audible woohoo is really important because when we're doing a group workshop and people are doing this exercise in pairs, it's really important to hear the people around you, quote unquote, failing and celebrating. And then you go, oh, it's okay that Anthony just messed up. I just heard him messing up over there. Okay, great. So I don't have to be so stressed about it. You and see, he's my manager. When, when we teach this to people, you see people just standing there and they're like staring and they're like, you know, they're like, get it right. even though it's way more fun if you don't, because you're celebrating. And so um, it, it helps reframe. It also teaches people that multitasking is, a, is not a real thing. Um, because you, you, people start to notice that when I'm just doing numbers or I'm just doing actions, it's really easy. When I have to flip from actions to numbers, I have to use all these different parts of my brain and it's almost impossible. And, um, and so it's, yeah, single tasking is the way yeah. to go. Don't try to multitask. Yeah. And being yeah. in the moment. Yeah. Okay. I see. I love that game. I want to build on this concept of failure's okay. Audible woos are awesome. I want to build on this because all three of you have done different things in your careers, whether it is, you know, enterprise or sales teams, whether it's starting a bunch of different companies from the ground up, whether it's, you know, starting an art gallery or being a private chef. So I'm curious if you were to give one piece of advice to the entrepreneurs or even the intrapreneurs that are listening about your journey, your adventures that you've learned so far, what would those be? What are some of those lessons in the in the business environment that you that you've been in that you would give advice about? Just one, one or two each. Mikey? Yeah, I mean, don't be afraid to reach out to your, you know, if you think of somebody who's like, oh man, I would love to talk to that person. I know they would have great advice or they could teach me a lot. No matter where that person is in life, everybody really truly loves to help. So if you just ask, and I've asked some crazy crap from some people who are really high up, they're always receptive. Yeah. You'll be surprised. Yeah. Um, I'll say that I, I was following a path that I didn't realize I was throughout my career, right? I started out as a software developer because I'm Indian and that's required. So I put in my four years of mandatory service as a software developer. Um, and then I moved into nonprofit fundraising and I did that for many years. That brought me to San Francisco. I moved into tech sales and enterprise sales. And now, now I'm here. Um, if you had asked me out of college, you know, are you looking forward to becoming an improv teacher? I'd be like, none of that makes any sense to me. Um, and then later in my career, I read a book called The Startup of You, which is written by mm -hmm. Reed Hoffman. And he talks about how you have to look at every job. You have to stop looking at jobs like we used to when the career book of choice was what color is your parachute, mm -hmm. but rather look at jobs as tours of duty. What am I able to bring to the market right now? And how long do I need to do that at this company? And then once I got, get there and once I feel like I've learned a lot, how can I pivot to treat your career like a startup and pivot to meet market demand and learn and, and run towards your strengths? Yeah. Mm, tours of duty. I like that idea. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, whew, this is just a small question, huh, man? Yeah. Um, just a little, just a yeah. little nugget, nuggy, no big. 30 seconds, let's go. Take all yeah, you go. Go. <laughs> yeah I, I, you know, I think the most important thing here that I always come back to is reacting to the moment and not your expectations of the moment. Um, I think a lot of us sit in uh, a, a state of fear or a state of judgment. Uh, and that tends to be about a moment that we have divorced ourselves from. It is not the mm -hmm. present moment. It tends to be like, why aren't I further on my career? Why didn't I finish that project? Why aren't my kids in bed yet? Like whatever that might be, right? There's a lot of expectation that we place on ourselves every day and every moment. Uh, and it's when we kind of come back to ourselves and, and play a game with another person and just lose track of time because we are invested in the moment we find ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, and instead of pay, you know, painting this picture that, oh, you gotta, you gotta do what you love, right? I hear that often, you gotta do what you love. Uh, and I think that that's a fallacy. I think that that's sort of, again, us trying to paint this picture that's not realistic, which is human existence in a nutshell. Yeah, yeah. Instead of doing what you love, love what you do. Mm. Right? Mm -hmm. Love what you do. How do you show up each day in a state that allows you to love what you are doing? Whether it's picking up trash off of a corner, 
coding, debugging a new product, uh, running a, a workshop for others, whatever it might be, how do you show up to be the best version of yourself in that moment you find yourself? Mm, I love that. Asking, just asking, Mikey's asking questions. Vivek's tour of duty. I love that. And then pirouetting, pivoting, pirouetting, and then showing up. I, those are so valuable. I think we all, we get lost and we all tend to forget all of that. So those are really, really important things to think about. And I just want to merge for a second to brotherhood. Cause as I'm looking at the screen, like I, when I look at Vivek, and Anthony, I'm like, you guys are brothers. Like you're not real brothers, but you you have the camaraderie of this like brotherhood, right? But then in real life, Anthony and Mikey are actually like real life brothers. So can, can you just talk about how did the you get involved with the business? How did how did you decide to make this a family business? And what are some of the great things about it? And what are some of the things that you're working on about working with your brother? Yeah. Well, I'll start with how, how it started with me yeah. entering the business. Uh, so Anthony had started Freestyle Love Supreme Academy, which was a little over four years ago. And I, I was doing, uh, you know, events management at that point. And I said, you know, let me know if I can help. I would love to help you with your business as well. You know, if there's any sales that I could help you with anything like that. Um, and he was like, well, actually, yes, there is. So uh, started, uh, you know, doing sales for Freestyle Love Supreme Academy and kind of, you know, was helping that business sort of grow and flourish because it was a new business. We needed to set up everything, bank accounts, you know, from scratch. So I was helping with that um, and, you know, just grew from there. So I am happier than I've been in any job in Aww. my entire life. Um, I absolutely love working for Anthony and the group of people that we have put together to run this company, which is, it's a brilliant gathering of minds. That's how I can describe it. Um, and as of right now, I don't really see a downside to working with my brother. Um, yeah, I can't think of one. It's, it's Vivek's amazing. like, I can think of a couple. No. Many <laughs> <laughs> I'll jump into yeah, um, yeah. try to be as, as vulnerable as I can be. So Mikey and I have been on a very long path together. Uh, we're the close where I'm the youngest and he is the next one older than, and then there's three more brothers uh, after that. So we have a big, big gaggle. Uh, there's five boys. When one of our brothers, Peter is actually like our cousin, but my parents raised him. Right. So we have a gaggle. Um, and it was a bit of scarcity mindset growing up. Right. Which is like, if you don't eat as fast as you can, you will not get enough food that night. Right. So it was just like everyone get get there. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm the youngest and Mikey's the next above me. So it was pretty combative growing up. Like mm -hmm. Mikey and I were at each other's throats a lot. I would and make sidebar, a sidebar. He's three years younger than me, but he could beat me in Monopoly at the age of three. So <laughs> you understand some of the animosity would come from. <laughs> it's all about that park place. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and so so there was a bit of competition there, and there was like Mikey being like, "Why is the younger brother getting more than me? Because oh, he can beat me at Monopoly, whatever it is." And it took us a long time, right, to like sort of overcome a bit of that competitiveness with each other. Mm -hmm. And I have to say, um, gosh, I want to say it was probably like five or six years ago. There was just like an incredible healing that happened between us as well, because mm -hmm. we've had past jobs together, and like we're always, I'm always trying to look out for him. He's always trying to look out for me. Like I remember a, a bully picking on me at school and Michael was like, you never touch my brother. I can yeah. be, him, but you cannot be him, right? Yes. So a lot, very protective. He's always been very protective of me. And there was a moment where I was doing a lot of shows and Michael, Mikey showed up and he was like, what can I do for you? Mm. And he like got me a hot tea that morning. He was like, you need to rest up. Right. And he like took care of me in a way that like I never expected him to do. Um, and it was so incredible. And I was just like, I need this person in my life as much as I possibly can. And so any anytime anything I was starting next, I was like, Mikey, do you have time for this? Can you help us with that? And he was like, sure, sure. I've got three other jobs and I'm trying my best to handle those, but I'll help. And he always made time and he always made time until we could afford his time fully. Mm -hmm. And we call him MVP, like, right? Like we call Mikey MVP at this company. He is Aww. the best employee that we have. He always goes above and beyond and he's always crushing his numbers. And it's just like, it's the best. 
Oh, I love that. And how how does that brotherhood and like the family spirit, because we got to interact with your crew. The culture is just awesome. The vibe is great. Everybody clearly feels good about what they do. Like, how does that brotherhood and that family spirit translate into the work environment? How do you build that? How do you keep that in your culture? It's it's hard work. So that's that's the thing. It it looks it is a lot of fun and it looks easy, I think, to a lot of people. <clears throat> but this is the kind of thing where companies strive to get to this point where everyone feels the way that the, most of the people at our company feel, right? The, the folks that you interacted with at, at MPI SoCal. I mean, and those are, you know, we have employees, we have contractors, we work with a big network of people, and we work really hard at maintaining and, uh, and growing that culture. And there's a there's this there's this business um, methodology of uh, it's called the rules of threes and tens, which is that every time a company triples in size, um, you need to rethink everything, culture, uh, HR policies, PTO, everything, right? Everything has to be rethought. So that is like when a company goes from one to three people, then three to ten people, then ten to thirty, thirty to hundred. As it gets bigger, it happens less and less often, but it still needs to happen. And that's something that we've been going through as a company constantly because we've rapidly grown right over the over the last couple of years, and so um, it's it's not like it's not natural it's not uh, organic it has to be we have to manufacture um, we have to manufacture the environment that allows the organic culture to grow and it, it's mm -hmm. walking the walk that we preach in the world yeah. as well mm -hmm. right yeah. like we start most meetings with a game mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Nice. And we try to add play throughout the week for our teams. Uh, we play and we're, we're also innovating on games as well. So we have these games of the week. The important thing here is that not all of us in the company are improvisers and right. performers. And so for a lot of people, they're like, ah, we have to do a game. I just want to get through this meeting. Mm -hmm. and 11 times out of 10, you play the game and you go, all right, that was, yeah, I, I feel better. I did need that. I'm glad that. I did that, yeah. The exactly. more you don't want to play the game, the more you actually need it. Yeah. So. Okay, nice. We want to say what's up. Melanie's in the chat, so hello, Melanie. Um, Rachel's <laughs> with us. Um, Griggs is here with us. Oh, what is, what's next for Freestyle Plus? Where do you see the next year, three years, five years? What's what's going to happen next? The moon. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you've seen the pictures of the structures on the dark side of the moon. Yeah, yeah. This, <laughs> we've been building those. Uh, structure, yeah. No. Um, yeah, I think what's incredible is that there's an opportunity to scale this, to, to sort of bring this underpinning to in a digital aspect to many people around the world. So we want to, to help teams and companies all around the world create these moments throughout the week to feel connected to your team, because that's the number one issue that we keep hearing over and over and over, right? People are disconnected. I have a distributed team. They're not quite sure what their purpose is. So our goal is to help every company who wants to be able to implement this into their workflow. So we're trying to get on these LXPs, learning experience platforms, so that we can meet people in their workflow with game solutions to the problems that they find themselves in. Hmm. Okay, interesting. Now, what, like, how do you overcome the objection when there's some corporate events that you'd want to do, but they're like, eh, I don't know if my people are going to be open or loose enough to like, you know, this and beatboxing, what's that? And, you know, so how do you kind of overcome that objection from more traditional kind of, you know, yeah. organizations? My, uh, Mikey and I have this conversation all the time, or we have to have this conversation. Mikey, you want to go first? I've got an answer too. I Go ahead. I'll, I'll follow up with you. Well, I always say those when, when people say, I don't know, we have a bunch of really introverted people. I go, perfect. That is our audience. Like that is where we can see the needle move the most. It's super easy to run a, a freestyle workshop with a bunch of salespeople. They're like, yeah, great. We're going to play whatever. Right. Um, but when we work with engineers, when we work with scientists when we work with um, accountants, right, we, we work with accounting consulting companies all the time. And it's like, uh, we they go in and they're and we tell them don't advertise this as an improv session. This isn't an improv class. We are not teaching you how to become a performative improviser. You know you can't audition for whose line is it anyway. I mean you might be able to, but it's not because of what we did. You know um, <laughs> what we are doing is we're bringing 
things from the world of performance, improv, freestyle into the workplace to make you better at your job. And usually, typically, our metric of success is when we do these debriefs after we do exercises together and we ask people to share how they felt about it, what was easy, what was difficult. Our metric of success is when the most introverted people in the room raise their hand and speak into a microphone and say, this is what I loved. This is what I hated about it, right? This is what made me uncomfortable. That to us is a huge sign of success because we've created a space of psychological safety where people don't feel judged in the moment and they are willing to share and, and be vulnerable. Yeah, and yeah. that's exactly what I was going to point to, the how we tee it up with the psychological safety. And that's the first part of these, you know, corporate events that we're doing is to build that and let the people know, like, take care of yourself first, you know, and that, you know, that helps the room just relax and breathe. Like, you don't have to do anything that you feel uncomfortable with. But then, you know, by the end, they're they're rapping and dancing around, you know, so, you know, you, you won the mold. All right. I would add in the smallest scotch to that too, Imani, which is that for for most people, um, getting comfortable, being uncomfortable is Mm. the best thing that we can help them with. So yeah, just like Vivek said, um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, Yeah, it's true. We've kind of come to the part of the show, we're going to do this a little earlier in the show, just a couple minutes, because I have I can anticipate some interesting questions where you're going to ask one of you or all of you are going to ask myself a question, and then you're going to ask Mandy a question. So who do you want to ask a question for first? And what is that question? Mm, love it. Should we all ask at the same time? That would be yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. Let's go. I'll go first. Okay. Uh, uh, this one is for Amani. Uh, Amani. What Mariah Carey song is your life most like? Mm. And- mm. My life most like. Love takes time. I would say that's the one I love. That's all right there. And as oh, you can see Mariah. behind me, I love some Mariah. So, you know, well done. <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> that would be my song right there. <laughs> Mandy, what is your favorite thing to do to relax when you have to travel for your business? Mm. Ooh, like to do before I travel or when I get home from traveling or when? As you're traveling, in the midst of traveling, you're feeling disconnected, you're not home. So is there anything that you do that you're like, ah? Yes, there. I do a couple OCD odd things that I have to do when I travel because I feel like we're most vulnerable when we travel to kind of get off routine. And so um, I carry a dry erase pen, a marker with me. And when I get into the room, I write on the mirror. I write my workouts for the week. And then I, I write my lifestyle travels with me. I told my aunt this story and she's like, I don't know. There's got to be some rooms that that marker doesn't come off. You know, <laughs> she was just questioning that. But I always, I do that. And then the second thing I do, as soon as I get to the room, is I line my shoes up and I don't, I could be staying there for one day or two, but for whatever reason, for me, that makes me feel grounded and settled. And I line my shoes up. I was sharing a room one time with a girlfriend who was traveling to Hawaii for a work thing. And she went into the room without me. Like I was somewhere else in the building and she, she put her shoes next to mine. I didn't, I didn't know that she came down she's like, um, I've, I've put my shoe in your OCD shoe line. So those are my, <laughs> those are my two things uh, that I like to do. I always try and um, get a workout in like a, a, the first morning, you know, because that first night you're always going to have cocktails or whatever, but I was trying to get a workout in that first morning. Um, and then on it. the airplane, I try and read um, because we don't have any time where we're not screens. Everything mm. is screen, 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 screen. So I, I do not talk to the person next to me on the airplane, unfortunately. I put my headphones in. I try and read on the airplane. That's my relax time. I love it. Yeah, it's a good question. Thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. More, more, more questions? Do we have time yeah. for more questions? You, it it looks like you have some more, so go ahead. Yeah. Who's next? We don't want to cut you off. We don't want to cut you off. <laughs> I could ask questions all day because I'm the guy who talks to the person next to me on the plane. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, my God. Um, just a side note, I had like the most depressing interaction with my younger daughter the other day because I was reading 
sitting on the couch and just reading. And she walked in. She's like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm just reading. She's like, I've never seen you reading before. Oh, <laughs> no. What, what were you reading? What, what was your book of choice for that? I got question? a new book called uh, The History of the World. Um, and it's, it's, a, it's actually a really, it's, it's been republished many times because history keeps changing. Um, but um, it's, uh, it's a short book written by Will and Ariel Durant. Uh, and was highly recommended by someone I trust. So I just cracked it open. We'll see. We'll see if I get the whole history of the world. Um, Amani, favorite uh, DJ? Ooh, favorite DJ. So I would say I can't name just one, but I would say, like, of course, Jazzy Jeff, um, oh. Twilight Tone, who used to be Kanye's DJ, uh, Tina T, who's a personal friend of mine, um, DJ As Is, who's a phenomenal DJ here in California. Those would be like my kind of favorite four. But I love a lot of DJs because a lot of people watch the show, so I don't want to offend anyone, but those would kind of be the ones. That, and then Bismarcky. Bismarcky probably is the one who really helped me fall in love with DJing. That's when I first saw him and said, I want to do what he does. So he mm. would be at the top. Nice. Uh, the question for both of you. Okay. Mandy, you what? go first. What are some of the biggest challenges that you see the people who you work with are going through? Um, and this can be either your students or colleagues, what, however you'd like to take it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I take it from a client perspective. My clients, I think their biggest challenge right now are decision decision making is so much more intense now than it was before. So I think, you know, maybe even pre-COVID, it was decision making was a two or three step process. Now there's a lot more spreadsheets involved in decision-making and there's a lot um, more of a leadership uh, decision-making involved where people that are directors, people that are managers used to have that authority to make decisions. And now a lot of things have to get run by people in the C-suite. And I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it's painful for some of my clients. Um, mm -hmm. That that's, that's the biggest thing that I see right now. I, I also think there's so much more at stake right? Just to make a decision. There's so much more at stake. Like, will I lose my job? Will I do the right thing? People are all remote workers right now. So just getting people together is a, is a, is a, it's exciting. It has to happen, but it's like, what if they don't like each other? What if something I do, some speaker I hire, some hotel I pick doesn't work with all these remote people. So I just, I think decision-making in general feels the most painful to me for my clients. And, you know, my job is to guide them through the decision. So I look at that as a challenge. I just want to help them, but I also, I can feel and see their pain in that process. So I would say like for my clients that I work with, just um, there's been a decline in the quality of like frontline staff to help in certain events. And that just continues to make challenges and people maybe just don't wanna work anymore. That's just a challenge I would say. Then with my students, when I'm professoring at Cal State Fullerton, they um, presenting, like just doing a simple presentation, very challenging, fear, all that. And then they have a fear of kind of not finding a job when they graduate because you know we're Maybe you go through a recession. It's just different post-pandemic. So those would be kind of the two things that come to mind when you say what challenges are my clients or students faced with. So that comes up. But now I want to ask two final, well, we have some time. So two final questions. We'll first start with Mikey. Um, as you think back to your career, and I'm going to ask you all the same two questions, what's been like the best advice you've ever received? Mm-hmm. Oh man. Yeah. Good question. Best advice. <laughs> I think my friend, I mean, this is a long, this is 25 years ago trying to, you know, just figure out how to, you know, manage getting jobs and stuff. I had a friend just say to me, just effing go for it. Like, you know, mm -hmm. just, go for it, you know, no matter what it is. And you, you know, cause you're hesitant to even put a resume in for some things, but yeah, I think that was probably the best, best advice. I do hear that in the back of my head. So that's, that had to resonate just blank. Go for it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Vivek? Nice. Um, the first thing I thought of Amani when you asked that question wasn't a piece of advice necessarily, but it was, probably one of the most beneficial things for me to hear. Um, so I used to work as a software developer, as I said, right out of college. 
And I was working with a client and they asked me that uh, they asked me to build um, a certain feature into uh, into the product I was building. And I went up to my supervisor. His name is uh, Justin. And I said, Justin, he wants us to build in a clock. Is that possible? And he looked at me like I was crazy. And he was like, I mean, anything's possible. It's just code. It's just about how much time. And it was this really important moment for me to be like, oh, that's how you think about this. You think about this as this anything is possible. It's just a question of problem solving. In my mind, I'm like, that's I've never done that before. Therefore, it's not possible. And it made me go on this quest for a job where I could think like that as well. I was like, I want to find a job where anything, anything that comes my way, I'm like, I think we can figure that out. Um, and this, and if there's a job like this one anywhere else, I don't know it because that's what we do every day now. People are like, hey, can you come and do this at our event? And I'm like, yeah, we could probably, we could probably figure that out. You know? <laughs> right. Of time, it's a question of person power, it's a question of budget or whatever, right? Um, but we can pretty much do anything, and so uh, for me, that's what it was. It, I don't think he meant it as advice, he meant it as admonishment. I think he's like, What? Yeah, it's just code. I was like, That's all alien language to me, so that's mm -hmm. it. And then also, what Mikey said, just do it. Yeah, yeah. amazing. Okay, Anthony. Uh, I am so lucky, I've had many mentors and people who I just look up to and think the world of. Um, and, and one of them in particular helps to run what's called the Startup Leadership Program. His name is Dmitry, uh, Dmitry Kultov, who is like one of those top of the game entrepreneurs where you're like, oh, wow, that exactly like Vivek said, that's how you think about stuff? That's incredible, <laughs> right? Um, and Dmitry gave me a piece of advice, which when you're running a company, I think is incredibly important, which is we are never going to be the end point for anybody maybe for maybe for me, right? But like, this is just a, a part of Vivek's journey because everyone's got sort of something that resonates inside of them that they eventually will have to answer to. Mm -hmm. and, and hopefully it's for a long enough time or, or whatever it might be, but we are not the terminus point for anybody. We are just a part of the journey and ask them what their crazy ass dream is and just let them know that you are there to help build the bridge towards that. You aren't the bridge, you aren't the answer, but you are a part of it. And for me, that's always been incredibly helpful thinking about the people that work at this company. I'm just a small part of the journey that they're gonna go on and anything I can do to help get them further along that bridge is gold. I love, oh, it. I love that. That's so good. I'm the final question we asked, one of my favorite questions of all time, I'm sure you've heard it before, but we love to hear your perspective. Manny loves it when I ask this question. Not if you could go back to your 21-year-old self and give that person advice based on what you know now, what advice would you give your younger self? And we'll stay with Anthony and then go around the horn again. Hmm. Um, yeah, the advice to my 21-year-old 20 self would be um, listen deeply and act generously. Mm -hmm. think? How am I how am I supposed to follow that up? Mandy left. Mandy was like, <laughs> I have a visual aid when you're done. I have a visual aid inspired by Anthony. Uh, listen deeply, measure gen what? Act generously. Act generously. <laughs> measure generously. <laughs> um, for me, uh, it it would be to I was I, at 21. I was very scared, right? Exactly, Amani, as you say about your students, right? I was like, "Am I going to do the right thing? Am I going to have the right job?" Um, so for me, it's dare dare to do the thing, right? Just do it earlier, because every single person who starts something new goes, ah, "I should have started this 10 years ago." Yeah. Um, and the truth is, whenever you start it, is when you need to start it. So don't be impatient, but just do the thing. <laughs> Dude, keep playing, keep playing, Mikey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess uh take care of yourself because I, you know, that was something that uh I feel like I didn't take enough care of myself and not physically, mentally, you know. Mm. Just really, you know, think about yourself. You're in this, you're by yourself on this journey. I mean, you have wonderful friends and family, but you know, you have to, you have to center yourself and center your mind. Amazing. Um, well, 
Here's my I visual think- aid. Anthony, this is what you inspired. Listen, listen so hard, you hear beyond the conversation. That's it. You just said it. It's just a good reminder. Everything you guys just said is just a good reminder. So people want to reach out to you to maybe partner with you, get you to come to their business, corporate, their conference. What's the best way for them to reach you? Freestyleplus.com. Um, and okay. you'll, there'll be avenues on there when you get into the website to, to get in touch with us personally, Vivek or I will be the ones who you're talking to. So awesome. And we love this. We love what you're doing. Obviously, besides telling everybody how awesome you are, what are a couple specific things that we can do, Amani and I can do, or the audience can do to support you, support what you're doing right now? Anthony, can you wrap it? Uh, sure. I'll, oh. I'll wrap it. Okay, what you could do for us is maybe reach out and ask how to work with us or maybe just get connected together. Make sure that everyone feels understood and heard and also encouraged to be themselves authentically and where they find the moment that they exist. Okay, that's it. And other than that, just be nice to each other. All right. Yes, well done. Round of applause there. Woo! All right, we're going to put you really quickly back in the green room, but just thank you. This has been an amazing episode. Thank you for sharing, being so open, honest, and uh, transparent. And uh, we just got a lot of love for you. So keep it up, and we'll put you back, and we'll speak to you in one moment. So thanks thank again. You, thank you, Amani. Thank you. We love awesome. having you. Thank you so much, guys. Great research, Amani. Great research. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for tuning in to Adventures in Business. Don't forget to rate and review our podcast on the platform that you're currently listening it on. And don't forget to share it with your friends and anybody that might be as much of the business nerds as Amani and I are. See you next time for another captivating interview.